talking about America. We're talking about the church and people of faith doing what we should all be standing up uh, together and say, you know, the person who washes my car, who takes care of my children, who cuts my grass, who will one day dig my grave. When they get sick, they should be able to receive the best care we have to offer. That's what Church Health stands for. And what this book is all about is showing you that people across America, it's not just Church Health. We are doing this all over this country because we believe this is what God has called us to do. Did you realize that the nation's largest charitably funded faith-based healthcare center is located right here in our city of Memphis? The crucial aspect of this incredible healthcare center is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is its motivating factor and its patients are our city's most vulnerable and underserved living among us. Hi and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today we have the pleasure to welcome to the show the founder of the nation's largest charitably funded faith-based health center, our guest, Dr. Scott Morris. Scott, it's always good to see you. Well, thank you, Byron. I appreciate being here. I love the chance to talk about our work and uh, my new book. you got a brand new book here. It's in my hand. It's called Care. Why the title Care? Well, I think that really is the focus of what this is about. You talk about, rightfully so, that our work is focused on the gospel. I think, unfortunately, too many Christians uh, forget is that the call to discipleship includes caring for our bodies as well as our spirits and especially caring for the poor when they get sick. That is what uh, Church Health's about, and it's about how people of faith are called to do this work. Scott, 35 years of developing the Church Health Center. What's been the sparkle of the jewel through these years? Oh, for me personally, it's just it's doing this work every day um, with patients. When, when I uh, literally walked in here just a few minutes ago, I, I saw a woman in a wheelchair. Um, and as I'm walking by, she calls me out and goes, hey, Dr. Morris, I have an appointment to see you on Friday. <laughs> you know, that that is uh, the joy that it has given me for 35 years. That's why I love what I get to do is meet people like yourself and the people who walk in these doors, sit behind that microphone I get a chance to talk to, is to hear their stories. Meeting people, telling stories. I love doing that. Mm -hmm. Meeting people and addressing their health concerns. Right. uh, Physically, spiritually, is what you do. Best-selling Christian author Philip Yancey said about you, Dr. Scott Morris is the kind of person who, given a shovel and a mountain to move, would say, now, exactly where would you like it to go? Where did you learn how to be so passionate and driven. Who were those, Scott, around you growing up that modeled mountain moving? You know, nobody's ever asked me that question. So, I I mean, no question. uh, My mother was probably the driving force around that very issue. But as I grew up and went to college, seminary, other people very much inspired me and uh, worked as uh, mentors. Probably the mentor in my life was William Sloan Coffin, who... uh, was actually the chaplain of Yale um, University back in the 60s and 70s, a sort of controversial person, but a person who lived off of passion. And I feel like I just tried to put a straw in him and and suck out of him uh, what uh, that type of passion for work of ministry really looks like. Yeah. Let's camp a moment back with your mom. What were some of those qualities or standouts with her, her personality, maybe some life lessons? You know, when I was young, I knew my mother was always involved in uh, the church women's group. And, you know, I didn't think much of it. I thought it was just sort of uh, very non-consequential work that she was doing. But as I got older, 
um, I would uh, look on her uh, bookshelf and realize that the books that she was reading when I was in seminary were the same books that I was reading. Um, and I, in thinking back on her commitment uh, to ministry, it was it was far more than just having uh, you know church tea. You know, she was about transformative work of the gospel. Uh, back in the '60s and '70s, it was not necessarily something that uh, a woman would do. Um, but but she uh, very much was a leader of my church, and uh, she was a great role model. I love that, Scott. Okay, in the book's forward, Dr. Jim Wallace says, Your book, Care, shows how the gospel of Jesus Christ is centrally and intricately connected to healing the sick and caring for the poor in body and spirit. The gospel that changes lives and society also cares for poor and heals the sick. Did you have that initial conviction when you first entered medical school? I did. People often ask me, did I, you know, I'm a Methodist minister as well as a family practice physician. So people often ask me, which came first? And there's just no question about it. I think of myself as a pastor who acquired a particular skill. So I went to seminary first and then on to medical school in order to live out my own sense of calling and ministry. I could never, as a teenager, envision preaching 52 sermons a year. Uh, That sent shivers down my spine, and it still does. (laughs) But even as a teenager, and I uh, was looking for how I could live out a calling, it was always to both faith and health, medicine and ministry. But medicine is just a tool that I use, and hopefully to be an effective pastor. I think somebody by the name of John Wesley was very influential in your life, too. Yeah, so John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, actually thought of himself as a physician. You know, he practiced medicine from the day he was 19 until he died. He wrote a book called Primitive Physic, which was so successful on the American frontier that as late as 1850, if we were in Memphis in 1850, there would have been a greater chance of you having a copy of Wesley's book, Primitive Physic, than you would your own copy of the Bible. And Wesley believed that every Methodist church and indeed every church should be involved in direct hands-on healthcare. He was innovative, too. I mean, there was early development of electricity. He saw a a use for that, medically speaking. Right. Uh, Wesley actually saw a demonstration of static electricity put on by Benjamin Franklin in London. And he was so enamored with the idea that he went home and created his own device that he called an electrifier, uh, which he came to realize actually had medicinal values to it. Now, you know, sometimes people laugh about it, but, yeah. you know, if you fall down dead right here, you probably want me to put a little electricity through your heart. Yes. You know, electricity is actually very important in healthcare, And Wesley was one of the very first people to actually see that it had true value. Scott, why are some doctors that identify as followers of Christ seem to overlook the connection the gospel has to healing the sick, even though they read in the Bible that Jesus healed the sick? Yeah, we can never forget that a third of the gospel has to do with healing the sick. It is literally on every page. And the call to discipleship is to do three things, to preach, to teach, and to heal. You do not get to take a pass on the healing part. You know, you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be engaged in the healing ministry. If not, you are not taking the gospel seriously. Now, the question was, why do people not pay attention? I I 100% blame Descartes. Descartes, a 17th century French philosopher, recapitulates Plato and convinces us we can take a human being and separate us into a body and a spirit. And we put the body on one side and say it's the purview of science and medicine. We put the spirit on the other and say it's okay for the church and people of faith to mess around with our spirits, but we should not actually cross that line and care about our bodies. 
but that idea is a fundamentally non-Christian idea. You know, patients don't want their doctor to impose their faith beliefs on them. Yeah. But patients actually do want their doctor to be able to talk about matters of faith. That The problem is, is that doctors aren't trained to even know how to do that. Well, as a result of 35 years of successfully operating the Church Health Center, you've helped to replicate the model in other cities, this model in other cities, through an organization, Church Health Outreach. Now, your book opens with one story in Cactus, Texas. Tell us about the initial encounter and the creation of the Well Clinic there in Cactus, Texas. Yeah, so uh, most people could not tell you where Cactus, Texas is on the map, but it's up in the panhandle. It's a a little small uh, community that um, is... Uh, uh, doing uh, mostly work around uh, uh, harvesting a variety of different types of animals and raising them up. And um, the Church of the Nazarene actually started a community uh, center that was then started by a clinic with a, a young woman, a young physician who came to this community similar to how I came to Memphis. She had learned about the work of church health and had come to Memphis to uh, to visit and see uh, how to replicate our work. And she went back uh, and did this very thing in this community that uh, has tens of thousands of primarily refugees doing work that nobody else is willing to do. And it's all funded by the Church of the Nazarene. You have to get the book and read, again, the book, Care, How People of Faith Can Respond to Our Broken Health System by Dr. Scott Morris. It's a very intriguing story how this young lady goes off on this mission trip. Right. Uh, Papua, New Guinea. Papua New Guinea, yes. right. And, and, um, and, and that was kind of where the seed was planted. God initiated that. And then, of course, with the relationship she had by coming here and seeing how the Church Health Center operates, how God just developed this whole story, you're going to encounter many stories like that. As a matter of fact, this book, Care, really highlights the relationships that you've developed with people through your practice. Now, most of us would never know their stories without reading this book and discovering people like Rod Williams, 30-year-old man that was delivering a package to the clinic. You had discovered through that visit that he had bullet fragments in his body. Yeah, so um, Rod's actually, uh, people know him as the Bill Street Flipper. Uh, He's the guy who was uh, in the movie The Firm when he was 11 years old. Uh, only the fact of the matter is, is that uh, flipping on Beale Street over time uh, led to him fracturing every vertebra in his spine, oh, every wow. last one. And so um, a friend of church health had brought him just as uh, somebody helping carry things in when I realized there's something not right here. At the time, I didn't realize he was the flipper, but it did lead to uh, our being able to have a neurosurgeon uh, fix his back, stabilize his back. Now, sadly, uh, Rod's never going to flip again. Um, But if you go and ever see the Bill Street Flipper and you see a guy sitting in a wheelchair over to the side, that's who we're talking about. Yeah, another incredible story. Scott, you say in the book here that most Christians in ordinary church congregations live within maybe a few miles of a clinic similar to what the Church Health Center does and cares for people like Rod, who we just mentioned his story. Many are in economic situations where they cannot get the kind of health care they need like Rod desperately needed. That doesn't mean that you have to be a healthcare professional to engage and be involved with the clinic like Church Health Center. Well, I think we need to start with what we understand health to be. You know, so being healthy is actually not about the absence of disease. You know, who cares if you live two years longer if it means two years longer in a nursing home? 
you know, life for life's sake can't possibly be the point. Breathing in, breathing out, none of us are signing up for that. But what we believe being healthy is all about is ultimately three things. Having more joy in your life, having more love in your life, and being driven closer to God. So if those things aren't happening, then what is the point? But if this is what it means to be healthy, having more joy, more love, and being driven closer to God, it doesn't actually have a lot to do with the doctor, which led us to create something we call the model for healthy living. And, and we believe that medical care is one of those things important to health, but it's only one. It is no more important than issues of nutrition, movement, emotions, family and friends, and we believe that your faith is as important as anything the doctor might do. So if all of us, in order to live out what the gospel calls us to do to a healing ministry, you don't have to be a doctor. You know, what you have to do, though, is take this stuff seriously. And any one of these areas is a way that every Christian could live into what a healing ministry would be like for themselves and for others. Now, you, since 2020, have been dealing with the pandemic like healthcare professionals in the whole world. How would you describe running Church Health Center during the first two years of the COVID pandemic? Well, look, it was a challenge, but it was also an opportunity to uh, demonstrate that people of faith actually have a significant role in all of that. The challenge we often have of getting churches to recognize that God gave us this body for a reason and we have an obligation to take care of it, um, COVID demonstrated to us that, look, maybe this isn't just a far-fetched idea. COVID has impacted every congregation I know out there in very profound ways. Now, at Church Health, in leading the way here in Memphis, we actually were in charge of testing during the first year of COVID that worked quite well at Crosstown Concourse for us to do drive-in testing there. But we also went to congregations all over the city uh, to have uh, sort of pop-up testing events. We did the same around immunizations. But the opportunity, and, and I do say the word opportunity, that COVID brought us all is, I think, to reimagine what church looks like. And what church is not about is just having buildings. You know, church is about finding a way for us to be fully engaged in the full richness of life. I think being involved in healthcare is ultimately about evangelism. You know, you're not going to grow your church through more bad Christian rock music. That, that is not going to be a church growth strategy. But if you are engaged in, in uh, what a healing ministry can look like in your community and in your congregation, it actually will find a way to bring people to the work that all congregations should be about doing. I think you grow the church by doing what we are called to do as people of faith. Caring for our bodies is critical to that. Yeah. You know, the, one of the problems we have in the church, though, is um, we have not come close to taking this seriously. And an example of this is around issues of food. You know, in the midst of the obesity epidemic in America, clergy are actually 20% heavier than the rest of the population. Um, the least healthy meal you could eat every week is actually at a church. You know, our churches have blessed the sin of gluttony for the sake of fellowship. You know, that is not okay. But if you want to know how to eat right, just eat the way Jesus ate. You know, Jesus ate food that was always locally grown. He ate food that was grown close to the ground. He never ate alone. You can't imagine Jesus going through a fast food restaurant, eating in his lap on the way to work. He would never do that, and neither should you. 
Wow, Scott, that's sobering. Uh, Senior leaders at Church Health Center protected you from seeing COVID patients at the beginning, particularly patients with respiratory illness. That wasn't as simple, was it? That wasn't a simple thing to do as you were taking care of those in urgent care clinic. What did you discover? Yeah, what, what I, you know, when I'm playing doctor, which is I do most every morning, um, I am involved in our urgent care clinic or a walk-in clinic, and you never know what's behind the next door. Um, but because I am the CEO of Church Health, the idea, if I were to get COVID, it would have meant I would have been out for a while and everybody who came in contact with me. So the idea was for us to sort of create a barrier around me, which we did successfully, um, but you know, I was always on the front line and I, I need to be on the front line. So I can assure you I was first in line to get a vaccine. Anybody listening, if you haven't gotten the new uh, bivalent vaccine, you need to go do it. It is truly life saving. And I believe God expects of us to uh, use our minds and use science when possible in order to uh you know, live to be faithful um, witnesses to what discipleship's all about. So, yes, it was hard at first, and it continues to be hard, but, you know, we do this the best we can every day. What has been the uphill challenge to including telehealth, something relatively new because of COVID, and particularly how low-income patients have viewed this in your practice? Yeah, so before COVID, we didn't know how to do telehealth. Um, and we started almost immediately into it. We morphed into our ability to provide telehealth in a very short period of time. However, um, poor people oftentimes, and this is true here today, see it as second-rate medicine. You don't want to see me. You're going to only do it you know, over Zoom um, without realizing that the president of the bank wants to have a telehealth visit. Um, so it, it continues to be a challenge. We, we have a very hard time selling our patients that we can deal with most all of their problems just in a telehealth visit. So it has not been quite uh, the success story that I wish I was here to tell you. Yeah, still navigate through that. The biggest healthcare question which addresses in the book why do pills cost so much? I mean, everybody <laughs> wants to know, how have you navigated through the years of securing medication for your patients, and many of those with chronic medical conditions? Yeah, so uh, the pharmaceutical aspect of healthcare is um, very, very complicated, the cost being a significant part of that issue. Medical industrial complex has figured out a way to make a gazillion dollars sell, selling people drugs. The fact of the matter is, is that all those uh, ads on TV are not necessarily advertising medicine because they're better. They're advertising because they're the most expensive thing there is out there. But historically at Church Health, we were able to use sample medicines, but now samples don't exist anymore. So we have to be very creative to find ways to provide care for people in the least expensive way possible. But things have changed dramatically. An example of that is insulin. You know, over the last five or six years, a bottle of insulin has gone from costing maybe $10 a bottle to where it can now be two or $300 for a bottle. That bottle might only last you for a week. You make 12 or $13 an hour. That is not really tenable. So, we find creative ways. Um, we use what are called patient assistance programs where 
we address uh, the pharmaceutical company, uh, demonstrate to them that this patient is poor and can't afford it, and they have now created programs that will allow patients to get that medicine for free. But this is not easy. I mean, this is definitely a justice issue. It should not be dependent on a person's pocketbook in order to receive the care that they deserve. We need to find a way to where every person in America, especially that person who is working to make my life better, they should be able to receive the, the type of treatment that they need in America. You know, we're not talking about a, a developing world country. We're talking about America. We're talking about the church and people of faith doing what we should all be standing up uh, together and say, you know, the person who washes my car, who takes care of my children, who cuts my grass, who will one day dig my grave, when they get sick, they should be able to receive the best care we have to offer. That's what Church Health stands for. And what this book is all about is showing you that people across America, it's not just Church Health. We are doing this all over this country because we believe this is what God has called us to do. Well, growing up, Patrick Ball, the son of a doctor in rural Mississippi, went with his father on rounds. Patrick recalls his dad telling him the secret to life at 10 years old during a visit to a nursing home. The secret, Dr. Ball told young Patrick, you've got to love people. Whether you turn out to be a banker, farmer, or a doctor, loving people is what matters. His father continued to say, if you believe there is a God and God is love, there are things required of you. How does Patrick's story, which is in the book, by the way, inspire you in what he's doing today living based on his dad's secret to life? Yeah, so Patrick has taken his own uh, calling and his own sense of being involved in uh, ministry as a physician, and now is the lead physician at a clinic that is in South Haven, just across the border in Mississippi. Uh, you know, anybody listening, if you are working and uninsured, you might Google Patrick Ball, and um, that is going to be available for you. But it's an example of how this work is not just about Scott. You know, it's not just about church health. It is about all of us taking seriously what God expects of us. And there are ways for physicians, for nurses, for dentists, um, but just for a common lay person to reach out and do what the gospel has called us all to be about. That's a great story, Scott. Patrick's is one of the highlight stories. They're all great, but that is a great story in the book. Now, there are 10 chapters in the book, Care, How People of Faith Can Respond to Our Broken Health System by Dr. Scott Morris, not to lessen the value of any of those relationships that you detail in the book, but is there one chapter one individual story or inspiration that stood out most to you when writing the book? You're asking that question. Uh, it brings to mind. Who was your favorite child, right? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, you know, a, a man called Tutal, who uh, got that name because of Tutal Jones, and uh, but he, he's a big guy, but Tutal's got a big spirit about him, but unfortunately, uh, his health uh, declined over time. And an example of somebody who everybody just always assumed that too tall would take care of them, but who was going to take care of too tall? The fact that he found his way to, to church health and our ability to help him to a certain degree, but he's still out there struggling. The, the fact of the matter is, is that many, many people follow that same path. We are so uh, readily willing to, to let uh, people making minimum wage take care of us, but as a person of faith, you have to ask the question, 
when that person gets sick, who will take care of them? Mm. And I think Jesus expects us to stand up and say, here am I. Let me figure out how we can not just pray for that person's soul, but how we can heal their body uh, at the same time. Wow. Another great word, Scott. Well, because of time, we can't possibly talk about each relationship that helped cause you to write this book. But I think it's appropriate for us to end our time mentioning your wife, Mary. You say she gives you a place of rest, and in her, you find your spirit renewed. How has Mary influenced you most, Scott, with foremost her love for the gospel? And how does she provide that safe place where your spirit is refreshed? So Mary has a very big personality. But once uh, you meet Mary, you will forget me very quickly. (laughs) Mary is not a physician. She's a, a classically trained musician. She's an actress. But she's been able to use her ability to connect to people Um, to really stand side by side with me for us to walk hand in glove together, uh, telling our story. She's a great example of you you don't have to uh, have a medical degree in order to make a difference in healthcare for the poor. She takes seriously the call to discipleship in her own level um, using the skill set she has. And she does it by uh, engaging people uh, through humor, and engaging people to show them that uh, God's love extends to each and every one of us in very powerful ways. I like the way your face lights up when you talk about Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it absolutely does. So next question is, how and where can we get a copy of the book Care? Yeah, so Care is being released on October 27th. Um, You can pre-order a copy today on Amazon. There's a couple of uh, book signings coming up, uh, one at Novel Bookseller in Laurelwood, and then actually at Crosstown Concourse. We will uh, have a book signing there. Uh, If you want to learn more, just go to the Church Health website, which is churchhealth.org, and invite anybody to come to Novel or come to the book signing at uh, Crosstown. The book is Care, How People of Faith Can Respond to Our Broken Health System by Dr. Scott Morris. Scott, thank you so much for what you're allowing Christ and have been for so many years now through Church Health Center, sharing these stories through the book Care and and other books, of course, you've written. It's not your first book, but uh, thank you for allowing God to use you for his kingdom here in our community and really uh, impacting clinics all over our country and I'm sure around the world too from the model that God has given you to serve people. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Well, thanks for giving me this opportunity to tell about the the story and uh, the work of Church Health and and the, the mission that we are all on to be faithful to what God expects of us. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid South Viewpoint. Please get your copy of the book, Care, How People of Faith Can Respond to Our Broken Health System by Dr. Scott Morris. It's available, as Scott said, coming up on Amazon, the book signings. Make sure you take advantage of these opportunities to get your copy of the book. I'm Byron Tyler. That's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.